I saw a, a, a play uh, that was about Lottie Moon. Anybody, anybody know who Lottie Moon is? Okay, a couple of people maybe. Uh, she was a missionary to China and uh, in the 1800s and maybe early 1900s, but uh, she did a, a great work of, of helping people in, in, in China to get to know Christ and worked with the pastor there. And uh, she made a huge influence. In fact, it was uh, through her influence that the Southern Baptist Convention uh, at, have a Lottie Moon uh, offering every year for missions. And they have a big, I think, push there, and it's named after her. Uh, but uh, that I saw a play about her, and in that uh, play, uh, she was singing that song. And uh, just and it was just extremely moving the where it was placed and I, every time I hear that song I think of uh, the sacrifice that she went through and the danger she put herself in in China to be able to reach people for Christ and help the, especially the young ladies uh, there uh, but it always comes to mind whenever I think of that let's turn to second Timothy chapter 4 for the reading of God's Word today we're going to read verses 1 through 5 today <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing of his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, season rebuke, excuse me, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall, he, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Uh, we're going to look at this verse and some others today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, before we begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the chance that we have to be in your house, Lord. And I pray that you just guide and direct our thoughts. I feel, pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I would say what you would want me to say, and guide and direct us. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Uh, we've been preaching a series and looking at uh, this a verse in Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, our theme verse for the year. Uh, it says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Our theme is, our time, for, the, for the time is at hand. Uh, it tells us uh, how, this verse tells us how we could be blessed. It said, Blessed is he that readeth. And the word blessed, uh, we learned last week, means possessing the favor of God. Uh, the state of being marked by the fullness of God. Does that sound like a place that you want to be in your life? Amen. Uh, how many of you want to possess the favor of God? Amen. How many of you uh, want to be marked by the fullness of God? Okay, to have his blessings. Amen. Well, the Bible says in this verse before us that you will be blessed if you read the word of God. We looked at that last week. When we read the word of God, we can expect to learn all about God's promises. Uh, aren't you glad for God's promises today? Amen. And be, uh, but we'll also learn of God's expectations. He expects some things from us. In fact, we talked last week about the many of the promises of God have an expectation with it. Uh, but we will also, uh, we'll also learn about God's grace. He never expects anything from us that he does not give us the grace to enable us to do it. Amen? Boy, isn't that a good God? Amen? 
Uh, and the second requirement of this blessed person is not just to read it, but to hear the words of this prophecy. Again, I want to make clear that this verse is specifically speaking to the prophecy contained within the book of Revelation. However, I believe that it is uh, that we are able, we will be able to see today that all throughout Scripture there are many promises of blessings for those who hear the word of God. Uh, So I don't think it's a stretch of any imagination or uh, poor theology to use this verse to uh, also show us that we can receive the blessings of God by hearing the word of God preached. And today I want to take three passages that deal with hearing the word of God. And from those three passages, I want to look at three principles that we need to learn. Uh, You already have here 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Let's read it again. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they shall will and not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the Lord and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things and endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. The first principle that we see here in this passage is about hearing the word of God. Uh, Somebody would somebody go and call Violet Matthews and find she's calling me. uh, Find out what's uh, if she's okay. Okay, she went home, and I just want to make sure she's okay. Um, But the first principle that we see about hearing the word of God is that number one, God's command is to preach the word of God. God's command is to preach the word of God. There are a lot of churches out there that have all kinds of things going on in their church. Uh, Sometimes they'll have 45 minutes of music and then 10 minutes of preaching. And uh, the music, uh, uh, a lot of times, is so loud that you can't even hear yourself singing. Uh, We went to a church uh, one time that uh, there was a band playing and stuff, but it was so loud that you couldn't even really hear anything that was going on. Uh, You know, sometimes they have dance teams now dancing on the stage and flag twirlers and uh, swirling flags across the stage and lights and lasers moving like a rock concert, fog machines that so the lights can be seen better and uh, pastors who have style coaches to tell them what to wear to better appeal to their crowd. These are real things. Okay, these are real things. All right. Uh, In one church, loosely so-called, in my uh, the old town that we used to live in. Uh, and one service that my pastor went to had a, a chalk drawing going on on one part of the stage, dancers on another part of the stage, a praise band playing on another part of the stage, and people in the audience just st- sitting there talking to each other. That Talk about confusion in the church. That's the very essence of that. The same church has had feathers coming down from the ceiling being told that they were angels' feathers, and gold dust being pumped into the audience being called, told that it was the glory cloud, the glory of God coming down upon them. Craziness going on in our churches today, loosely so-called. My friend, we're told to preach the truth. Amen? The preaching of the, uh, overwhelming, the, the preaching in this church needs to be the focus of the service. Because the, not because you have such a great preacher, but despite the preacher that you have. We have a great God and a great Bible. Amen? And the word of God needs to be the focus of our service. And because of that, God commands preaching of his word. 
The Bible tells us as pastors, first of all, to preach the word. It tells us, letter A, to stand by the truth. He says, be instant. In other words, be ready. Be instant in season and out of season. The word means to be ready, to stand by. Okay, to stand by the truth. I have to preach the truth whether the world agrees with it or not. Or if they like what I preach. The Bible tells us to stand with the truth. John 8, 32 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That was our theme verse for last year. And we focused all year long on the truth about various aspects of the Christian life. And the truth is what we have to stand with. And I have to be instant, be ready, stand by the truth. And you need to be in your life as well. We've got to preach the truth. Charles Wesley said, Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not a straw, whether they be clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon this earth. Boy, you know, if we just had a, our focus in the right place, we could really move the mountains, couldn't we? And secondly, I must do this whether it is, letter B, convenient or not. Convenient or not, the Bible says in season or out of season. The, literal, the, word, the Greek word there literally means opportunely or conveniently. Just as fruit is in season, it is convenient to obtain. Okay, That's what these words are talking about. And every Bible, verse, uh, every Bible version, I was curious, every Bible version translated, translates it the same way that I saw. Uh, in season, out of season. That, it's phrases there because it's talking about uh, the, using the euphemism, uh, uh, the idea of fruit being in season. It's convenient to obtain. The idea there is, whether it's convenient or not, you have to preach the word. Amen? Hugh Latimer once preached before King Henry VIII. And Henry was greatly displeased by the boldness in the sermon and ordered Latimer to preach again on the following Sunday and apologize for the offense that he had given. As he began his sermon, he said, Latimer, Latimer, do you remember that you are speaking before the high and mighty King Henry VIII, who has power to command you to be sent to prison, and who can have your head cut off if it please him? Will you not take care to say nothing that will offend royal ears? He then paused for a moment and continued, Latimer, Latimer, do you not remember that you are speaking before the King of kings and Lord of lords, before him at whose throne Henry VIII will stand, before him to whom one day you will have to give account yourself? Latimer, Latimer, be faithful to your master and declare all of God's word. He then preached the same sermon that he preached the prior Sunday with considerably more energy. <laughs> he survived. Uh, but years later, Latimer was burned at the stake during the reign of the Catholic Queen Mary for denying the false teaching of transubstantiation of the Catholic Church. As they were going to be burned, he said to his fellow martyr, Nicholas Ridley, he said, play the man, Master Ridley. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. And his testimony through being burned at the stake, literally did make a huge difference in the Reformation of England for a while. Boy, what faith, amen? Convenient or not, you have to stand for the truth. There may be a day whenever it's dangerous for us to stand for truth, but we have to, by the grace of God and through love, stand for the truth.
whether convenient or not. Not only that, but I must preach it all. Let her see. I must preach it all. He gives three things that preaching ought to do. He says, first of all, it ought to include reproving. Reprove. It means to tell the fault. It's biblical to do so, amen? Matthew 18, 15 tells us, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, and this is to everyone, not just preachers, he says, If thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. It's biblical for Christians to reprove a brother. And it's biblical for a pastor to reprove through his sermons. There are times when preaching steps on your feet. My only thing that I can say is move your feet. Amen? And there are times whenever your cat's fur gets rubbed the wrong way. Turn the cat around and it'll solve it. Amen? Reproving is never fun. But it's necessary. It's necessary. It's the only way we can get true understanding. Proverbs 15.32 tells us, He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. It's a dangerous thing to reject reproof. Another proverb tells us in 15.10, Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way. And he that hateth reproof shall die. There's a, quite a punishment there whenever we ignore reproof. Even though it's not fun, for it to be true preaching, it must involve reproof. And true preaching should also repro- should include rebuke. To admonish strongly, the word means, to, with urgency. There are a couple of examples of rebuke in Scripture, one being when Jesus rebuked the, de- the demons. Matthew 17, 18, it, it says, And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that hour. He rebuked the devil, and the devil left. There are times when Peter rebuked Jesus. Now, he shouldn't have done that. It's a, a bad example here, but it's still the idea of rebuke here. But Jesus ended up setting them straight. In Mark chapter 8, verse 32, he says, And he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Verse 33 says, But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, again rebuked him now, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Rebuke is an important aspect of, of our Christian life. When we start to go wrong, we need the other, our fellow Christian brothers to rebuke us. Rebuke is an important part of reconciliation, to come back together. Luke 17, 3 says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. The word can also be translated as charge, to charge, like a command, to charge someone. Luke 9, 21, it says he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing. It was a rebuke. The word is the same exact Greek word. But rebuke is an important part of preaching. This charge, telling people the danger of sin, the danger of following this world. It's an important part of preaching. 1 Timothy 5, 20 tells us them that... (coughs) It says... Them that (coughs) sin, rebuke before all, that others may also fear. It's important that we uh, understand that the importance 
of rebuke is not only for that person. We want that person to come back to Christ, to do what's right. But it's also for everyone else to see the dangers of what's going on. Titus 2.15 says, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. In Revelation, Jesus is speaking to the seven churches. And to the church at Laodicea, he says, in Revelation 3.19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. But be zealous therefore and repent. Jesus says those he loves, he rebukes. It's a sign of, rebu- uh, of love. A father rebukes his children whenever they go a wrong way or say something wrong. He rebukes them in love. Why? Because he doesn't want them to harm themselves. He doesn't want them to learn a bad behavior and go a wrong way. It's not hateful. It's not unloving. In fact, it's just the opposite. It is full of love. Reproof is part of preaching. Rebuke is part of preaching. But it shouldn't all be negative, amen? Preaching should also, the third word that's said here, exhort. It should exhort. Exhort means to help, to comfort, to come alongside, to build up. Hebrews 3.13 says, but exhort one another daily. This is for all Christians. While it is still today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Not only does rebuke help someone come back from sin, but exhortation, building them up, comforting them, coming alongside them, also helps them come back from sin. Amen? It's an important part of the Christian relationships. Exhortation is important for growth. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so, would, uh, uh, so that you would abound more and more. The exhortation is given to, uh, rest- uh, uh, to, to the people to help them to be able to grow in Christ. And so preaching is vital. In fact, it's God's plan for the church to help us to grow to be more like Christ. Preaching needs to contain reproof, rebuke, and exhortation. Now let's turn to Romans chapter 10. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. We're going to see the second principle here. We're going to look at verse 13 through 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The second principle that I want us to see today about hearing the word of God is that number two, hearing brings faith. Hearing brings faith. The Bible says here that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They have heard, and now they're calling upon the Lord. But then he goes back a little bit. Because hearing brings faith, he says. 
First, let's notice, first of all, letter A, the pattern. The pattern. Verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preaching preacher? So the pattern is, preach, hear, believe, call. Amen? Preach, hear, believe, call. It's stated in a walk-back fashion in this verse. We know we need to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And how do we do that? Well, we must first believe that we need to call. The proof of the belief is that you're willing to call upon God for salvation. But how do we believe? Well, we must first hear the truth in order to believe. You cannot believe something that you've never heard. And people all around us need to hear the truth of salvation. Amen? How can we, they believe if they've never heard? Okay? But how do we hear the truth? There must be a preacher. By the way, this is not a, talking about an occupation here. It's just a word. It's an action. It's a telling forth of the truth. This is to every Christian. Anytime you tell forth the truth, you're preaching. It's not talking about the role of a pastor. It's talking about just telling the truth. But this is true about more than just salvation. It's a principle that is being explained here. So we see the pattern. We preach, they hear, they believe, and then they call or they change. Okay, we saw the pattern. Let's look at the principle here. What is the principle? The principle I believe, uh, that we can pull from this is the more we hear the word of God, the more faith we will have. The more we hear the word of God, the more faith we will have. If you're struggling with your faith and you're going through some difficult times, you need to get under God's preaching more. Are you facing difficult times in your life? You need more faith. That's God's plan. But the devil knows that. And so one of the first things that happens whenever we face difficult times is we want to hide from church. We don't want to go. How many times have you experienced that? I've experienced it myself. I'm not saying because I, times I'm pastoring, but whenever I wasn't pastoring, especially Wednesday nights it seemed like, boy, I'm tired. Maybe I've worked all day. Things have got, not gone my way, and I just get home, and I barely have time to scarf down some food, and it's time for church, and I think, I just I don't feel great. I don't know if I want to go. Boy, I just don't know if I want to go. And you know what? Every single time, every single time, that I have been tempted to stay home, but I went anyways, I was so glad I went. Because God had something for me that I needed to hear. And I'd walk away going, man, I'm glad I didn't listen to that. I'm so glad I, did. I went anyways. That happens especially on Wednesday nights. But I can imagine it would happen on Sunday mornings too, amen? Why? Because the devil knows the hearing brings faith. The word of God brings faith. And he's going to do everything he can do to keep you from coming to church and hearing the truth. If you're struggling with lack of faith, struggling with things that you're going on, you don't understand what's going on, having a hard time trusting right now, you need to hear the word of God preached. You need more faith. Verse 17 tells us, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 
The preaching of God's word is what builds faith in your heart. Not because I'm such a great preacher and I can say it exactly right. No, in spite of me, as I said earlier, the Holy Spirit so many times tells people what they want, he wants them to hear, and I never said it. <laughs> you know, to ask somebody, or somebody tells me, boy, what you said about such and such, was, it was a huge blessing. I'm racking my brain thinking, did I say that? Or they say it a little bit differently than the way I said it. And it meant one thing to me, but it meant something completely different to them. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And he does that. And that's okay. Amen? If I went and said, hey, that's not what I said. You need to listen to what I said. Boy, there'd be a pride problem there, wouldn't there? But the preaching of God's word is what builds faith in your heart. It gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to build that faith in you. You need to surround yourself and your life with the preaching of God's word. But be careful who you get that preaching from. Amen? Make sure that they're speaking the truth. There are many people on the internet today that are not preaching the whole counsel of God. Be very careful. Don't fill yourself with the world or the world's philosophies. Fill yourself with God and his word. Lean not on thine own understanding. We studied in Sunday school. But acknowledge him. Understand him. Go, uh, lean on him. God loves his people. Because he knows what they need, he sends a preacher. And his command, he commands him to preach God's word. He knows that the hearing of, this, of God's word will bring faith to his people. Boy, it's a sobering realization to stand here in this pulpit sharing what God has laid on my heart. It's the word of God that makes the difference, though. It's the hearing of the word of God that builds faith. However, the sad truth is, number three, Roman numeral three, not all will obey. Not all will obey. I heard a story this weekend about an atheistic barber walking through the city slums with a minister, pastor. He remarked, this is why I can't believe in God's love. If he was uh, as kind as they say, why does he permit all this poverty, disease, and squalor? How can he allow these people be addicted to dope and other characteristic, uh, character-destroying habits? The minister was silent until they met a man who was especially unkempt and filthy. His hair was hanging down his neck and his, he had an inch of stubble on his face. The preacher was ready with his response. He said, you can't be a very good barber or you wouldn't permit a man like that to continue living in this neighborhood without a haircut and a shave. Indignantly, the atheist barber answered and said, why blame me for that man's condition? I can't help it if, if he's like that. He's never given me a chance. If he would only come to my shop, I could fix him up and make him look like a gentleman. Giving the bar barber a penetrating look, the minister said, then don't blame God for allowing these people to continue in their evil ways when he longs to speak to them and give them directions for salvaging their lives. They are slaves to sin and evil habits because they refuse to heed God's word and accept the one who died to save them and deliver them. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8. We're going to see the third passage and the third principle here. 
Not all will obey. Luke chapter 8, beginning of verse number 12. Here Jesus is giving the parable of the sower. In verse 12 through 15, Jesus is explaining what the parable meant. And he says, Those by the wayside are they that hear, that then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which, uh, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fell away. Verse 14, And that which fell upon thorns are they which, they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with repentance. Not all will hear. He gives us four examples of people that hear, but they don't obey. Three that don't obey. First of all, he talks about that some will hear, but are hardened. Letter A. Some hear, but are hardened. A sower went out to sow. Verse 5 tells us that his seed and he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And verse 12 explains it. He says, those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. You know, sometimes people are hardened in their lives. Hardened by hurts. Hardened by this world's influences. And so focused on themselves that they don't hear what is really being said. I heard a story about Franklin Delano Roosevelt who got tired of smiling, the big smile, and saying the usual things that you always say at the White House receptions. And so one evening he decided to find out whether anyone was paying attention to what he was saying. And he decided to say something shocking so that, to see if they were really hearing at all. As each person came out to him, he extended his hand, he flashed the big smile, and he said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And people would automatically respond with a comment such as, how lovely, or just continue with great work. Nobody listened to what he was saying except one foreign diplomat. When the president said, I murdered my grandmother this morning, the diplomat responded softly, I'm sure she had it coming to her. <laughs> Many people went through the reception without actually hearing what was being said. Their focus more, most likely was on themselves, the fact that they were meeting the president. And they were so focused on all of that that they didn't really hear their hear. I went through that one time when I met someone and I, I was getting an award and I was meeting the president of the company and everything and I, and I shook, shook the hand and, and they said something to me softly and I have no idea what was being said. And I just nodded and turned around and I thought, I hope that wasn't a question. But sometimes people are so focused on themselves, and I was standing in front of a bunch of people, and I was like, oh, don't trip, don't trip, you know. And I was so focused on myself that I didn't hear. So many hear a sermon and are focused upon themselves, their own hurts, their own desires, their own lusts of the flesh, and they miss the message. Then the Bible says that some hear but are shallow. Some hear but are shallow. Verse 6 gives the parable. It says, Some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. 
Verse 13 gives the explanation. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which while, for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. They receive the truth with joy, but they were not established in doctrine, no root. The seed finds a little soil on top of the stone, but it's not enough to take root. And so the growth is only for a little while. They believed, but they may not have been true believers. How many people who call themselves Christian only shallowly follow the Lord? They come to church, but once they set their Bibles down at home, they're not picked up against until it's time to go to church again. How many put on the mask of piety when they enter the church on Sunday, but live like the devil Monday through Saturday? Many come to church so they can feel better about their life, but are not willing to get involved and go deeper. They're in a, there's no room for growth because they have a rock-hard, self-centered bedrock just below the surface. If you find yourself in this category, or maybe you're thinking to yourself, that might be me, you need to do what Hosea 10.12 says. It says, sow to yourself in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. That means the hardened ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Don't live the shallow Christian life. Be all in. Break up the fallow ground by staying under the preaching of the word of God and allow the, by the grace of God to let that grow in your heart. The third group we find here shows us that some hear but are distracted. Verse 7 it says, And some fell upon thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Verse 14, the, the explanation. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. They're distracted by the cares of the world. They're distracted by riches. They're distracted by pleasures. So distracted that any fruit that does come never grows to perfection, not to maturity. It never matures. It never ripens. They bear fruit, maybe, but it never matures. It's useless. There's no use to it if it never matures. In fact, growth is soon choked out. It doesn't necessarily mean killed, but rather the idea is overpowered. Their usefulness has been overpowered by the desires of the cares, the riches, the pleasures of this world. They may be saved, but they're living a useless Christian life. And then we see the Bible tells us that some hear and keep it. Verse 8 gives us the parable, And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And then he had said, uh, then he had said these things, he cried, and he, had, uh, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 15, he gives the understanding of it. And he says, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. The Bible says that some fell on good ground. They heard, verse 15, having heard the word. They kept it, verse 15 tells us. They grew, verse 8 tells us. Tells, the seed sprang up into a plant that produced fruit. Verse 8 says they bear fruit in hundredfold. 
Verse 15 tells us, It brings forth fruit with patience. Perseverance, the word means. They keep bringing forth fruit because they heard and they kept it. My job is to preach the word of God. God commands me to preach the word. To stand by the word of God. Whether it's convenient or not, just preach the truth. Preach it all. Reproof, rebuke, and exhortation. It's your job to hear and let your faith grow. But it's solely up to you whether or not you will grow and produce fruit. Are you going to be the ground that is hardened by the world? Are you going to be the ground that is shallow, no real depth for growth because you haven't broken the ground up and given it to God? Are you going to be the thorny ground that allows the distractions of this world to pull you away from the truth? Or are you going to be the good ground, the kind that hear and keep the word of God close to their hearts? Next week, we're going to look at the third requirement of this blessing that we can receive. Keep those things which are written. But for now, just know, it's not good enough just to hear the preaching of the word. We must obey it. James 1.22 says, Be ye not doers of the word and not hearers, uh, uh, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We can't just hear it, we have to obey it. Will you obey the word of God today? That's the question. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the chance that we have to be here. Lord, I pray that you bless this sermon and help it to speak to our hearts. Thank you for the gift of your word and the ability that we have to come to a place where we hear the word of God preached. And no matter how faulty the man that preaches it, no matter how much he has human frailties, you are made strong in our weakness. If he gives his heart to you and allows you to control him, you can speak through him. We thank you for that promise. Speak to our hearts, I pray, and help us to yield to what you have spoken. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing a verse of invitation. Pass me not.